So welcome again to the School of Surgery podcast, this time on abdominal trauma. My name's Andrew Daytrick. I'm a core surgical trainee in Derby Hospital, and I'm joined once again by Mr. Adam Brooks, consultant trauma surgeon at Queen's Medical Centre in Nottingham. So we'll just start again, first of all, by going over the objectives for today's podcast. These are to gain an awareness of the most commonly injured intra-abdominal organs as a result of blunt and also penetrating abdominal injury, to develop an approach to manage a patient with a stab abdomen ranging from the clinically well to the unstable patient, to know the indications for immediate laparotomy in a patient following penetrating abdominal injury, to know which trauma patients that arrive in a district general hospital need to be transferred to a major trauma centre and which can be managed in the district hospital, and finally how to manage a patient with bowel evisceration. So, Mr Brooks, the first thing I think we'll deal with is a patient's had a abdominal injury, abdominal trauma injury, and you've got a trauma, you've had a trauma call and you're walking down to the emergency department. Which intra-abdominal organs sort of go through your mind? Which ones do you think are most likely to be involved, firstly, in a patient suffering blunt abdominal injury, but then also a penetrating, so a stab or a gunshot wound, so a penetrating abdominal injury? Thank you. Um, starting with blunt trauma first, the liver, as it's the largest organ within the abdomen, is injured on um, about 40% of occasions will be some form of liver injury as well. Now, that may be a minor liver injury that we need to do nothing about or a more major injury. I guess the other organ that we are concerned about is the spleen. Um, although it's significantly smaller, um, it is relatively fragile uh, and will be injured. With blunt trauma, bowel injury occurs slightly less co- you know, less commonly and it tends to occur because of deceleration and therefore you get an injury uh, either in the mesentery or at a fixed point uh, where there's a fixed point and a mobile point, so DJ flexure, ileocecal region. So that's the those are the main ones. Blunt, you think spleen and liver, and then secondarily uh, small bowel. Slightly different with penetrating, uh, and again slightly different with stab wounds and gunshot wounds. I think the thing to remember penetrating trauma doesn't respect surgical boundaries, so it's no respect of the diaphragm and the territory between the thoracic surgeon and the general surgeon, uh, nor the groin, the abdomen, being the territory of uh, general surgeons and the groin perhaps more, more vascular with the blood vessels. So things to be very aware of. These boundary or the junctional regions are key areas to consider when you're looking at penetrating trauma. A stab wound, well, well that depends where it is. So is it the front, the side, or the back of the abdomen? What stage of respiration? So how high was the diaphragm at the time? What position the patient was, was in? Um, all of those things need to go through your mind. Clearly, you know, it depends on the size of the, wep- uh, the weapon and the intent. So any of the organs could be injured with a penetrating wound. Equally, you know, gunshot wounds. Fortunately, we don't see too many gunshot wounds uh, compared to other areas of the world. They don't respect uh, junctional regions either. Very, very much, and um, you know, it depends on the trajectory of the of the round through the tissue as to what organs be hit. But obviously, you're going to be concerned with small bowel and colon because there's so much of it in the abdomen. Great, thank you very much. I think the next situation we'll consider is a a patient with abdominal trauma, um, and we'll use stab abdomen for example. So, which type of patient with a stab abdomen would be suitable candidates? for just observation and serial examination, which ones would require an urgent CT scan and 
what type of patient would bypass a CT scan altogether and go straight for theatre, go straight for surgery? Okay, I, if it's okay, I'm going to take those in the reverse order because physiology deri- drives decision-making in trauma um, and you know has done for you know, the last probably 10 years. So the first thing we're concerned with is what's the physiology of the patient? Are they unstable, you know, low blood pressure, tachycard- tachycardic, or are all their parameters you know, essentially normal? If someone's unstable and they've got a penetrating wound to the abdomen, such as described, so a stab wound to the abdomen, you're going to go straight to theatre. Um, you're not going to hang around and look to do a CT scan or other form of imaging. There's no role for plain films here. So go on the go on the physiology of the patient. The patient will demand you to do you know, the right thing. So the physiology will drive you to make the right decision, which will be go to the operating room. Um, it's one of those few situations nowadays we're allowed to uh, operate without getting a CT scan to back us up. But uh, go on the physiology. So next really is a question between... Um, CT scan and observation. If it's obvious that it doesn't breach the skin um, or uh, through the dermis, then you're not going to scan them. But I think we scan an awful lot of people. A few years ago, we did laparoscopy. We will retain laparoscopy for junctural region, left upper quadrant, because we know we can't see the diaphragm still very well on uh, CT scan. But the vast majority of our patients here with penetrating trauma uh, to the abdomen, including the back, will get a CT scan. I like to do those with uh, little markers of where the, uh, the wound is, so open out paper clips stuck over the wound, because that'll give me some idea of trajectory when I come and look at the CT scan. And we don't do non-urgent CT scans, it's trauma, so you know, we do the, the CT scan from recess where we see the patient, got a penetrating wound, we're going to scan them. We've shown in our data here in a big series that we're very accurate at determining whether that's breached the peritoneum and whether there's an intra-abdominal injury. And the signs of peritoneal breach on CT scan or free fluid on CT scan or air, then we're going to proceed to a laparotomy because we, we, we know that other modalities such as laparoscopy cannot confidently rule out small bowel injury. So you, to summarise that, unstable, straight theatre, stable patient cardiovascularly normal patient I should say rather than stable um, you know, get a CT scan peritoneal breach on the CT scan or free fluid in the abdomen then you're going to go for a laparotomy the one caveat is looking at that you know, diaphragm on the left side uh, which is poorly visualised on CT scan and there the group you might consider putting a laparoscope in and having a look to see whether the, uh, the diaphragm has been breached so the next scenario I want to run by you and get your opinion on is the trauma patient which doesn't arrive in a major trauma centre but that finds him or herself in a district general hospital. With regards to this, which sort of patients that arrive in a DGH necessitate the need for transfer to a major trauma centre and which ones would um, you as a trauma lead in a trauma centre expect a district general hospital to be able to manage themselves? That's another really great question. I think it's um, something that nationally we're struggling a little bit uh, about. The reality is that with the potential move uh, towards 60-minute uh, bypass times for trauma patients, unless they're catastrophically unstable, you know, the majority of major trauma patients are going to bypass the district general hospitals and go to uh, the major trauma centre. If there's any doubt at all about them. So you know, these are patients who have some physiological sign or a torso injury, 
um, that the pre-hospital criteria, physiology, or the fact that they've got a penetrating torso wound would dictate they should go to the major trauma centre. If they don't and they end up at a, a, trauma, uh, a trauma unit or a district general hospital, I think that's that's really challenging to know which one should stay and which one should, should go, depending on the, the experience of the surgeons there and their background. Would we expect every uh, injury spleen to come to a uh, major trauma centre? No, not necessarily. I'm sure you know, they have been managed very well. But anything that's polytrauma, where there's more than one uh, organ injured, or there's more than one body system injured, so certainly come to us. And I would su- suggest that people who are unstable initially and physiology, yeah, as a rule of thumb, should end up in a major trauma centre, not purely you know, for the surgical skills. The fact is that we... Uh, we wrap around a, a, an awful lot of the other support services and clinicians around the patient. And, and the outcome in major trauma is not necessarily about the surgeon, who does a great operation. It's about the rest of the team, uh, the physios, the, the um, nursing staff that we have here, rehab, health care of the older person. It's those people that make the real difference and you get people back to functional, uh, functional outcomes. So I would err on the side of referring into an MTC patients who are unstable or have significant injury. Sorry, I'm not going to, be asking, I'm not going to give you a, a more definitive answer, but the, nationally everyone's struggling with the same question. <laughs> That's absolutely fine, Inky. Um, just to take that on another step, if a patient finds themselves in a district general hospital that perhaps should have been uh, transported directly to a major trauma centre and the decision has been made to transfer them over to a major trauma centre, would you like a CT scan to be performed where they are currently at the District General Hospital, or would you prefer to do it all yourselves um, when they get to you? Okay, well, that depends if it's going to delay their care. And there's two groups of patients. There's the patient who has obvious injuries that doesn't, that doesn't need a scan, that's physiologically unstable or physiologically you know, abnormal, who obviously need to come to the major trauma centre, and they should come straight to the major trauma centre and shouldn't be delayed for a scan. It's likely that we will be able to get the patient to us and through the scan before uh, most trauma units have the result ready, before most trauma units even have the patient through the CT scan, just because that's what we're set up to do. So I wouldn't want patients to be delayed for for a CT scan. Different group of patients, however, those who... It's not obvious that they're going to need to come to a major trauma centre. Their injuries aren't obvious, but there's a suspicion of their injuries. And they're, you know, physiologically, their numbers are normal or within you know, reasonable parameters. That group, um, it would be appropriate to image in the trauma unit of the district general hospital so that we've got a clear idea of their injuries. There's no reason to send someone who, on imaging, hasn't got any image injuries to the major trauma centre. So patient stable, no obvious injuries are going to mandate them being transferred, I'd suggest they get a CT scan. But a patient who has obvious injuries and physiologically abnormal, don't don't delay um, getting the patient to the major trauma centre uh, if a CT is not immediately available. Great, thank you. Uh, so next I'd like to ask whether a patient with a gunshot abdomen mandates a laparotomy. Or are there perhaps a cohort of these type of patients um, which you would consider observing 
conservative management? Uh, again, I'm going to give you a really uh, short answer. Uh, in the UK, gunshot abdomen, yeah, mandatory laparotomy. Because people will see so few in the in the entirety of their careers, then I think that we don't have necessarily that ability to effectively evaluate them. Now that's slightly different. You know, would I always do that? Does you know, one rule for me, one rule for someone else? Not necessarily. If I found somebody who was completely unstable and had two wounds in close proximity and clinically it looked like they'd completely missed the abdomen and it was a low energy transfer weapon rather than a military style weapon I would be tempted to get a CT scan again with my bullet markers to show the trajectory and there are certain members of the population who have more padding more subcutaneous fat than other people and we do see people see some of those who have through and through wounds which actually don't breach the peritoneum at all. So that group, you know, I would manage in a totally different way. We wouldn't get a laparotomy. And if it's clear of the peritoneum, my management would be to give the wounds a bit of a clean, some antibiotics and send them home. But I think that's very much the exception to the rule and the, and the rule that should apply to people who don't see gunshot wounds on a regular basis is abdominal gunshot wound laparotomy every time great thanks um and the final question uh, quite a specific one actually is regarding patients with bowel evisceration so this could be a small amount of bowel or quite a large amount of bowel outside of the abdominal wall um so if a patient comes into the department with bowel evisceration from trauma and they're stable with a soft abdomen but unfortunately the theater's busy at the moment there's another urgent case um they're probably going to be tied up for a few hours is there anything you could do in the meanwhile, or how would you how would you manage this type of patient um, before theatre could become available for you? Uh, Fortunately, situation uh, we find ourselves in very often. We have a huge number of uh, operating uh, theatres available to us. Uh, I guess compared to some uh, institutions, I would simply you know put in a warm damp swab. Technically, you could try to. Um, uh, replace it into the into the abdomen, but you know, it's unlikely that uh, it's eviscerated through a very narrow uh, opening. It's unlikely to run into any problems over the hour or two um, that it's likely to get this patient to theatre. They're a CPOD uh, one. You should be looking at doing them within an hour. You know, within an hour, if you can't, then there should be another team to come in because that bound does need to be replaced. But also, you can't tell what else has happened. So... Although you can see what may be a healthy piece of bowel in front of you, you don't know what else has happened in the abdomen. So uh, you, you need to knock on the door and get the patient into uh, into the operating room. Yeah, absolutely. So fortunately, a situation we don't find ourselves in very often here. Um, so just to summarise the podcast then, so we've been through some of the key practical points regarding the management of abdominal trauma patients. And we've touched upon some of the principles of ATLS along the way. Thank you very much.